0: You are now listening to episode 85 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. My name is Brian Davis, and this is my show. Today I'm talking with Steph Godro. You may know Steph from her amazing foodie blog, stupideasypaleo.com, or her award-winning podcast, Harder to Kill Radio. And uh, she was so gracious to spend an hour with me uh, right before the launch of the Women's Strength Summit 2017. That summit starts um, Monday, May 15, 2017. Go to womensstrengthsummit.com. I have provided the notes in the, well, where they belong, in the show notes. If you happen to be listening to this and say, the year 2023, there may be another Women's Strength Summit. Who knows? So, you could uh, always uh, check out stupideasypaleo.com or try the womensstrengthsummit.com. Like I said, there's links in the show notes. I had such a fun time talking with Steph. Really excellent conversation. One hour, power-packed, get a little story, the journey of strength, the details of the Women's Strength Summit. Well, at this point, I just started rambling like a madman, and there's no excuse for that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go straight to my conversation with Steph godro and as always i thank you for listening hello
1: hello how
0: are you? Steph Godro.
1: That is what they call me, yes. Wow,
0: hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Good. Th- it's so good to talk to you.
1: It's good to talk with you as well. And I'm looking forward to this.
0: Excellent. And, you know, and thanks for taking the time, especially now, with everything that you have going on. I mean, that means a lot to me. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. It's my pleasure. It's nice to um, actually... Just sit down and talk to people sometimes. I was gonna say,
0: yeah, maybe maybe this is like you just taking a break from from all the madness.
1: Yeah, instead of sort of shouting into social media all day long, I can actually have a conversation oh, with somebody. Real.
0: yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, been keeping up a little bit on uh, what's going on there, or what what transpired in the past week or two, and some interesting stuff.
1: Crazy banana pants. Yeah, so that's <laughs> what I call it.
0: Right. <laughs> Hey, so um, let, let's just start with one thing, and let's try to uh, tell the story about um, the Women's Strength Summit. Yeah, and um, it, it's like happening like right now. So I'm gonna get this up there so that it'll it'll be in time. I hope.
1: Thanks. That's awesome. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, the summit. Oh wow. How how far back shall we go? Um, when I quit my job. <laughs> when I was born. No, just yeah, kidding. Right. Right. Uh, when when I quit my job uh, in 2013, I was at a 4th of July barbecue at uh, Pete and Sarah Servolt's house. So, if you've ever heard of Pete's Paleo, those are the folks who started Pete's Paleo. Okay. And uh, I was newly unemployed and had just had some surgery and was sitting around feeling sorry for myself because now I had to sort of figure out my way in the world. And Sarah said something like, You know, I think you'd be good at something like an online summit. And I was like, what? No, that's too hard. It's, you know, there's some pretty well-known people in the, in the health and wellness space that have summits pretty much on lock, you know, they're super pro. And I was like, that's not, no, I can not do that. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of planted the seed though. And in t- late 2015, I was hanging out on one of these, uh, Facebook entrepreneur groups, so to say, and, uh, Somebody said something about virtual summits. And so immediately I was like, that won't, no, like th- this space is so crowded. It wouldn't work for me, you know, sort of that old mm. song and dance. And sure. this guy was like, well, wait a minute. Why do you think that? And so he, we actually ha- engaged in a very like great conversation. And I pretty much was convinced after that, that I wanted to do my own summit. So, you know how sometimes things happen all at this all at the right time, or at least you're you know, you're more open to these ideas. Mm, Yes. Things happen when, you know, you realize things when you're ready. And I got an email from somebody asking me to be on their virtual summit as well. This was right at the same time. And it was like, it was a summit for women. And the tagline was like strongest, the new sexy, which irritates the shit out of me <laughs> as it is. Right. Okay. And, um, and so <laughs> I went to the, I went to the site and at the top is a guy who is the host and he's shirtless.
0: Shirtless. I was, I would have guessed that. Yep. For sure. Yep. And,
1: right. To Im- improve his cred cause he's very lean and has abs and, and whatnot. And more than half of the guy more than half the speakers were guys. And I got, I saw this and I got really I politely declined and, um, but then I got really mad. It really angered me mm, that, okay. that, you know, that this, like it was a summit for women, but there were hardly any women represented and it was all about like stars that new sexy and I got really pissed. And then it occurred to me that getting angry about it was just not going to do anything to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I decided, all right, well, I'm going to do my summit and it's going to be by women for women. And initially, I sort of thought it's going to be the women's strength training summit because, as you know, and and maybe some people listening might Mm -hmm. know, I coach weightlifting. Strength training has been a very important part of my own personal journey. And so initially, I thought I'll do a strength training summit. But the more I sat down to plan this event and brainstorm speakers and topics, And the more I just realized that you couldn't talk about physical strength in a bubble. Ah, yes. I couldn't. I couldn't do it justice. I should say. Mm -hmm. I I shouldn't say you. I mean, I. I felt like I couldn't do it the right way, and the way I had envisioned, if I only talked about physical strength. And so it it expanded to be this idea of building a stronger mind and body and spirit. You, You know, all of the things that go beyond the strongest, the new sexy. Like we've got plenty of that out in the world right now. I don't think we need another person that's talking about just like, Mm. how you know, here's the next hack to get a hot bod and oh, by the way, none of that other stuff's very important. So that's how the initial event came around and we did one last year and we had 35 speakers. These are all women talking about strength of body, mind, spirit. And this year sort of rolled around again. And initially I wasn't really sure if I was going to do another one. And I kept meeting people. I kept, kept meeting women who had watched last year or they kept emailing me out of the blue, completely out of nowhere, you know. And so, again, there were, like, all these signs, like, I I listened to the summit last year. It changed my life. And I know life changing is thrown around very nonchalantly in this mm. Industry. <laughs> you know. Um, but literally these are the the, the words that women are using, like you change this changed my life. Uh, or I met so and so through the summit and she's changed my life. Mm-hmm. And so all these signs were sort of urging me on. The universe was sort of urging me on to do this again. And so here we are, and um Monday, this coming Monday, the fifteenth of May, we kick off a six day online summit for free with four talks that go live each day. And this year I sort of grouped them by theme. So every day has a theme. And um, we start with some of the usual suspects, you know, we have mindset and movement and nourishment. And then we have a day for women's health. And then a couple new topics this year, we have our empowerment and tribe. So it's sort of a little bit of a buffet, if you will, (laughs) of different, topics that I think women out there are like, yeah, I want to know a little bit more about these more important things. We've got, you know, there's 10,000, 1,200 calorie a day diet plans out there <laughs> in, right. you know, right. enough, enough Insta celebs with their shirts off and, and whatnot, like, let's go a little bit deeper than a that. Deep. So
0: Yes. Yeah. That, that's awesome. I was just <laughs> uh, looking at the website and looking at the lineup of speakers and I think you have uh, 24 speakers this year. Mm-hmm. And covering those four awesome topics, um, starting off day one with nourish, which is an awesome word. You know, um, I think words are important um, and they're very powerful. Mm. And there's been a, a good, um, I think some of the non-Americans helped us with our language. We used, <laughs> we use the word nutrients mm. or nutrition here. And I think we've gleaned this. Uh, better more wholesome word nourish mm-hmm. nourishment and I love the words so that's Thanks. an yeah, awesome I, topic
1: I really thought I really tried to think hard about <laughs> I don't always think things through very very deeply sometimes <laughs> but I tried to, I tried right. to really I have tried to really think hard and some of these things are things that come from my um, sort of harder to kill philosophy so when I was coming up with that I very you know, very specifically chose eat foods that nourish, mm. um, strengthen your body, recharge your energy, and, you know, master your mindset. Those Those are sort of the, the guiding principles of, of that main philosophy, and then expanded it a little bit to empowerment and tribe. But I think <laughs> uh, nutrition is so sounds so clinical. And, you know, it's very important to me that we also pay credence to the fact that it's not just what we eat it's how we eat it mm-hmm. and why we eat it and so many other important that's, factors that are that's, just more than
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: macronutrients and micronutrients and is this pastured and is this <laughs> you know washed with the tears of unicorns like um and so, yeah, nourishment is about way more than just the calories that you eat, right? It's, it's, it's a very holistic way of looking at things. So, again, movement. Like, movement's way more than just plopping yourself on a treadmill and slogging through a horrible workout that you hate. It's
0: Yeah, our life it, is never- already filled with chronic stressors. Let's not add <laughs> another one.
1: Yeah, but it's like, you know, can we take our view of sort of, quote, exercise, which is a relatively modern concept, by the way, and as I'm sure you know, because you're- And a word, very
0: I, much- and it happens to be a word I despise, so.
1: Yeah, right, yeah. most mm-hmm. people have a really negative mm-hmm. reaction to the word exercise, it's like getting poison ivy, you're just like, oh no, exercise, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's horrible, I have to suffer through this, but, you know, again, movement, like, there are many ways we can- honor the fact that our human bodies are meant to move and many ways that that can play out in one's day. So, you know, just try to really be careful with and, and mindful with the words that I used. Cause I think you're absolutely right. They're very powerful and they paint a very interesting picture depending on what we use.
0: That's right. Yep. They can be used to inspire, to harm. And so, mm. yeah, they, they're very impactful. Uh, I love the term movement. Um, it's all-encompassing. To no matter where someone is in their stage of life, they need to pursue movement. <laughs> you know, uh, the end of movement is the is the end of freedom, and it's the end of your humanity. In, in mm-hmm. a way, uh, you will really really struggle and suffer w- without being able to move your body. Uh, I think your uh, lovely husband Craig. once said something to the effect that it's like a being able to get up is is like a a human right right yeah
1: yeah being able to get off the floor yes yes it's very important
0: (laughs) it's funny um, you you're working on many levels you know just from just being able to get up off the floor some people need to start there and what's great is having an entire summit where you can glean information on all these ideas of what movement means, you know, writ large. It's really exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, we have Juliet Staret, who's um, partner of Kelly Staret, as many people know, Mobility Wad and Stand Up Kids. And she's talking about just how to incorporate more movement and, and some standing into your day. It's not even about sweating it out at the gym, you know, it's like, how can yeah. we do that. Um, we have you know, a speaker talking about s- basic strength training and how to be sort of less intimidated if you're a female and, and getting into the gym. We have Kate Galliott, who's a wonderful movement nerd. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that because she's a nerd fitness camp counselor, but uh, mm-hmm. she's talking about sort of how to use movement to actually engage our parasympathetic nervous system and de-stress if you will so mm-hmm. like lots of you know sort of non-traditional
0: i love it strength I, I, fitness uh, topics <laughs> yeah i love the idea of uh, strength fitness and movement as a as a de-stressor that's that's a fantastic concept very helpful yeah, it's, it's
1: not something that a lot of people think of they're like all right i need to sort of go and, and suffer through this thing I'm gonna hate it and just hopefully I make it out to the other end alive but I don't yeah, think yeah. that's a really health promoting way of right, uh, right. Seeing, seeing movement and fitness and, and exercise yeah
0: I mean um, just from my experience in the past I mean what was preached to me was that um, you know strength training was basically just the body's response to the damage you do to your muscles you know. And mm-hmm. so you're talking to bro dudes or weightlifter friends of mine, you know, and they're all ripped and strong and shredded or whatever. And they're like, yeah, it's cause I break my body down and it rebuilds stronger. You know, and I'm like,
1: it mm-hmm. eh, doesn't
0: sound like a good long-term approach, but <laughs> maybe there's more to the story. I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely an aspect of if you could imagine a bell curve, right? Where you've got the, in the middle, it's higher and on the mm-hmm. ends it's lower. You do have, like, we have this really interesting sort of stress response, stress curve as human beings, where if you can picture on one end, you have absolutely no stress. And, I mean, you're sort of just lying on the couch doing Mm -hmm. nothing. That's a very low-stress state. I don't know anybody who after a short period of time, sometimes you need that, and it's very (laughs) rejuvenating and and just Mm -hmm. sort of relaxing. But after a certain amount of time, if you just spend every day all day, Literally lying down and, and doing nothing, you're not going to feel very good. On the other hand, we have sort of the distress, which is everything is there's a fire, everything's a fire that we need to put out, and are, we're working very, <laughs> right. very much in overtime. And as we all know, we've all probably experienced at some point or another, like that state isn't very good for us either. So there's actually sort of an optimal amount of stress that human beings kind of thrive on and that's that idea of hormetic stressors and and exercise can be one um if not taken to sort of the chronic stress right into the chronic stress state so yeah i think we I think like everybody's tolerance is going to be different but a little bit of uh stressors here and there keeps us sort of fresh and on our game
0: Yeah, I I would imagine you're a little bit stressed out after creating this. (laughs) So, how are you doing right now? How do you feel?
1: Oh, well, that's really interesting because, you know, I've had many times where my body has just given me a clear signal that I need to slow down. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: um, last night, I went to jujitsu and got home and felt fine, and went to, we don't have a couch, so. Went to sit on the floor and sort of do my usual and watch a, a couple episodes of a show on Netflix and sort of moved around and thought, oh no, oh all right, my back really hurts. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, so something in my back is tweaked, and that's a very obvious sign of like you. Well, if you don't slow down, then we're gonna make it so that you have to slow down. And yes. there's this constant balance for me of like trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy. Because I don't want to be the person who spends 16 hours a day on the computer. And, you know, so for me, going in strength training a few times a week is part of my routine, and it mm-hmm. keeps me grounded, and it means I actually have to take a break from work. So I love that, but at the same time, I think my body is just sort of like, well, <laughs> we're going to make you slow down we're gonna now.
0: We're going to take a break now. literally <laughs> yeah.
1: can't. Yeah. Can't move around very well, so it's always, uh, you know, I just try to, I try to do my best and and take care of myself. But right now, like last week, was super just crazy. You mentioned it <laughs> at the beginning of the call yeah. here, um, really an emotional week, uh, lots of highs and lows, and anytime you're doing an event like this and a launch, it's just. Oh, man, it's just, just trying to get through it. <laughs> it's not the most fun thing. Yeah, I know that yeah. on on the receiving end, hopefully it all looks very smooth. And actually, we did have a huge tech sort of hiccup today that was just totally random and not related to anything that we had done. Our email provider like had a global issue with one of their... Ah. Features that affected us. This
0: time it wasn't you fucking the whole thing up.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. That was the other thing that happened. I actually sort of uh, updated my a plug-in on the website and it crashed the whole website like a day before we were going nice. to launch it. But,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I always back up kids. So I guess that's the... Uh, Absolutely. You know, so I had a backup there. But, yeah, so you just sort of had to roll with the punches and hopefully it, it, it all looks smooth and, and put together on, on one side. But... Over here, we sort of go in waves and pits and waves, and sometimes it's just so busy. And other times, um, check out for a little bit and
0: well, good go for sit you. outside
1: or yeah. whatever.
0: <laughs> tend those bees.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It was uh my favorite podcast episode of yours was the Hive Mind podcast oh. about, about the hive. It was just some lovely storytelling and great information about bees. It, it was really remarkable.
1: <laughs> Thanks. I, you know, anybody that'll sort of s- stand there for more than five minutes, eventually, if they ask me about bees, are probably regretful because <laughs> I'm just launch into yeah. like a lesson about beekeeping and bees and why they're amazing. But I think that's part of my uh, advocacy and spreading the word and just trying to educate people a little bit and make people more aware of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah.
0: So let's dive into your journey a little bit. Um, I'm From what I've gleaned um, listening to you over the years, uh, it seems like you, you weren't always uh, a strength coach and strength-minded. You seem to have gone through some, some struggles yourself and different paths. You want to cover a little bit of that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think in a lot of ways my story is so common. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, once you start talking with people, and if, you know, at least in my experience, if I open up about things that have happened to me, then almost 100% of the time, somebody's like, oh my gosh, something so similar like that happened to me. And then all of a sudden, we've, you know, we've become, we've like bonded, bonded. over yes. <laughs> over that, you know, that human experience of of pain and suffering and triumph and mm-hmm. a community and connection and all the things that we know are really important. But you know, in a lot of ways I grew up really sort of, um, lower middle class kid to divorced parents. And I grew up in the Northeast. So Massachusetts is where I spent the first quarter century of my life and was pretty close to my grandparents. And, you know, I was interested in sports growing up, but I was also sort of like, the, the chubby kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting how you take on those monikers. People just don't think and they give you these nicknames or whatever. And I, I just became sort of hyper aware of my body at a pretty young age, uh-huh. I remember. And I played sports and I really like to play soccer and run around. But um, I wasn't, you know, your your prototypical like being pole kid. So when i was in fifth grade that was sort of a turning point for me because i basically started to go through puberty uh which was 10 years old 10 and a half years old which was way earlier than pretty much everybody else a little and early yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah definitely just you know i was never like trust me i know it could be worse i could have been a kid who was seriously ill. My friend Kristen, for example, like she had Crohn's disease. She's hospitalized from like age 12 onward. I mean, I never had anything that was that bad mm-hmm. going on in my body, but I never felt well. Um, I got sick a lot and man, I just didn't feel at home in this meat suit that and we it, like to yeah, call it.
0: Yeah. With that shell of yours. Yeah. yeah interesting. So
1: mm-hmm. I think a lot of that you know, persisted through my teens and um, into my early 20s. And I went to college and studied biology and human physiology because I was really just totally enamored with the human body and how it worked. And I thought it was so fascinating. And I just loved and still love all of that stuff, which is probably a little bit apparent. But I decided to go into teaching instead of taking the med school track, which a lot of my classmates were taking or taking a research track so I kind of went the third way which was Mm -hmm. something else and a small portion of those people were going into education so I decided to become a high school teacher and I became a high school science teacher so I did that for 12 years before I quit but you know throughout that whole time again I sort of struggled with my self-image and not feeling like I fit in um, anywhere and just never feeling comfortable in my skin Mm -hmm. all these weird health issues i mean terrible energy levels um digestive problems bad you know acne Mm -hmm. i mean you name it like again not not so uncommon really and pretty much went on every diet i could find and had about a 10 to 12 year period where i just was like consistently on quote on a diet, you know, Mm -hmm. like on some Herculean quest to continue (laughs) to lose body mass, I guess. Um, I was never, I was never light enough. I was never skinny enough. My legs were never small enough. And, um, when I was in my early twenties, I found mountain biking and I started getting into that and it was a great convenient reason to try to make myself even smaller Ah,
0: lightness lightness yeah. yeah yeah
1: power to weight ratio can you be the lightest you can be and yet be the most powerful so you can get up hills faster so i sort of it was a great way for me to indulge
0: ah. all all of the um this is a great approach yes i'm right the, yeah the you're really patterns. speaking to
1: me yes i yeah. hear you mm-hmm the body control, the um, the quest to be smaller, all that stuff. Was... You had
0: to. You, yes. You, yes. And it was just so convenient that you picked that, of all things. <laughs> it
1: was. And mm-hmm. mountain biking, for what it's worth, and cycling, I have, through that, I met some wonderful people. I had some incredible experiences. I have seen some beautiful things, some beautiful places, and I've been around the world and on a bike, and it, it was the best and the worst of all possible times. But in late 2009, I was sort of getting into the endurance side of mountain biking, which is again, like let's spend six, eight, 12 plus hours on a bike. Mm -hmm. And in late 2009, my friends who I was doing a lot of riding with, they were like, um, we're going to do this thing called the paleo diet. And I was like, what is it? You know, uh-huh. I had never heard of this thing. Really, okay. uh-huh. a guy that I knew from the endurance world, his name's James. I still keep in touch with him, but he was like gluten free, and I thought that was the weirdest shit I had ever heard <laughs> in my whole life. Growing up, I had I knew one I knew one person. My best friend's sister-in-law um, is a celiac. She has celiac disease, so uh-huh. I knew somewhat of like what gluten free was, but it was always just this like really weird out there thing. Uh, and certainly, nothing you would do unless you had a real serious reason. So, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so I, I said, all right, what the heck? And I read Paleo Diet for Athletes by Dr. Lauren Cordain and Joe Friel. And Joe Friel is a very recognizable name in the endurance crowd. So it, like, and you know, I was like, this is legit. And okay. so I decided, all right, holidays, gonna get my holiday fun out of the way and eat all the foods and do all the things and drink all the drinks and. January 10th, 2010, I put it on the calendar and I said, I'm going to start doing this. And I took kind of a rip the bandaid off approach in a lot of ways, which I don't recommend to most people because mm-hmm. at the time it was like me and, and my ex-husband, we were both on the same page. We had no kids, right? Like mm-hmm. yep. it was kind of the best scenario um, and not yep. everybody has that, but.
0: Strip it down, rebuild it. The motor's yeah, shot, yeah. rip it out. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like just put a new one in there, and I would always love to cook, so it, it sort of made sense at the time. Curiously enough, there were hardly any cookbooks. I remember getting the first the first cookbook I ever had was Paleo Comfort Food by uh, Foods by Charles and Julie Mayfield. I still have it; it's on my bookshelf. I can see it from here. And so do uh, I. <laughs> yeah, there were like two or three books out at the time, right. and so it was a very different world than it is now. But within the first few months, I started to feel different and it wasn't a dramatic thing i mean i sort of tried it with just like i've tried everything else i mean i was a vegetarian i done whatever else you wanted mm-hmm. i mean everything pretty much weight watchers i mean i did the whole thing so i thought well I'll just try it i mean whatever someone else is doing it i guess i'm not alone and very slowly i started to feel different mm-hmm. my energy levels were like Crazy good compared to what Mm -hmm. they were before. I didn't have the same. I realized like I was bloated for pretty much all of my life when I ate food. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when when the bloating goes away, you're like, oh wow, I'm not supposed to feel that way. That's it is a wow.
0: It is the strangest thing to uh, Hmm. realize what a your uh, normal digestion, normal digestive process should feel like.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So lots of stuff like that. I mean. Uh, I was a very hangry type of person. I realized looking back, I think, you know, my blood sugar was just super unstable. And, uh, you know, gradually these things started to feel better. And my moods got better, um, started sleeping better. And it just sort of started to cascade, you know, a little bit over time. And I still eat. I mean, we eat stuff here and there that's not, quote, paleo. Mm-hmm. But we we eat Pretty much meat and vegetables and yeah. fat, like right. repeat, you know, rinse, repeat. People yeah. are always like, what do you eat every day? And I'm like, the stuff that's on the website, Yeah. pretty much.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's the foodstuffs that are, you know, the actual foods that you can buy, that you take home and prepare yeah. and make yeah. meals out of. I don't know how else to describe it to people. You know, I've been through this myself for a decade, so yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we... I've learned there even within that, and of course, doing some further eliminations along the way, like I've learned there's certain foods that just don't do well for me. What, by the way, when I was 33, I was diagnosed with endometriosis, which mm. explains all of the problems I've had with, mm. um, you know, my cycle and yeah, going yeah. way back to being a kid. And for, so for me, eating a more anti-inflammatory approach when I, you know, as much as I can, possibly can really does help the inflammation that's part of that process so you know it it all sort of like started to click and
0: well were you still doing the um were were you eating for performance like the book said was that your goal was to be a better performer still at that point say 2010 ish
1: oh yeah oh Yeah. yeah for sure so definitely I mean I was still racing at that point and um, would bring all my food with me in my pockets and uh, like experiment with stuff. And yeah, I really wanted to see if I could become a better athlete. And, and I, you know, it's hard to determine if it's just the food or if it's training or if it's your training age and the, just the number of hours you've had in the, in the saddle and stuff like that. But I definitely was stronger and faster and, in the middle of that year, I a friend had a friend who dared me to do a CrossFit workout huh. in my garage. In my garage, but okay. I did this, and I was like, and I, if I recall, it was something like push-ups and air squats and a run or something. It wasn't any, even anything with weight. And I just thought, huh, that was really fun. So I trotted myself down to the local CrossFit gym, and I signed up. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I mean, i had gone through a season of off-road triathlons. I was kind of still training for racing, but I was starting to get pretty burnt out. I started to have a lot of back problems and stuff just from sitting in such a shit position for hours and hours at a time. And CrossFit was interesting because I remember very early on, I went in and we had to like do box jumps.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went to jump on this like sixteen-inch box, and I I just couldn't do it. I couldn't jump on a box, and you uh-huh. know, sixteen inches is pretty low. Yeah. And this is as a person who I wasn't an elite cyclist, but I was definitely a very serious, you know, pretty decent cyclist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so for all of my strength and all of the endurance I have, and all of the sports-specific capacity that I have I can't jump on this box like what and so it was a real eye-opener to me I and mean, I couldn't do a pull-up I, I just it was like wow I don't have a lot of functional strength and so the interesting thing that I didn't really expect and I didn't go into CrossFit assuming this would happen the interesting thing was that as I got more interested in strength training and being strong but the size of my body became less and less important to me.
0: Ah.
1: And again, this has been a process, but yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I've gained, I, I've easily put on twenty pounds since I was since that time, you know, and most of it's muscle. I'm probably not as lean as I was because honestly, I was wasting away.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yep. yep.
1: But I remember looking back at pictures from that summer when I had just done a triathlon in Lake Tahoe. And I remember very clearly on that day, that exact photo, it was like, you know, on the rim of Tahoe. It was this beautiful location. And I was sort of doing like a double biceps, like, ah, (laughs) pose. Yeah. And I remember seeing that photo of me and thinking, fuck, I look so disgusting and fat.
0: Hmm. Whoa, whoa, wait.
1: Yeah.
0: What? Just, I, didn't, I didn't expect you to say that. Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was really like, I my body image and sort of Whoa. body perception was so mm. skewed. And so looking back at that photo, obviously I look, I'm so tiny there compared to what I look like now. Yeah. But there was there's been this really interesting process over the last, say, five or seven years of like, okay, I'm really interested in my capacity and my strength and not focusing so hard and so much on things like how big are my legs and, (laughs) you know, I mean, just stuff that, like, would literally, like, would consume my thinking. Yeah. I would spend probably hours a day, you know, wait myself in the morning, I'd get up, I'd, like, freak out if that number was too high. I would... Um, I would pinch the fat on the inside on the sides, of my legs, yeah.
2: mm-hmm. which is,
1: by the way, is like a very not, like clinically speaking is, is, a, is a sign, like that compulsive fit fat pinching is mm. like not a good sign. Okay. Um, so I had all these things where I definitely had a disordered view of my body. I had a disordered relationship with eating. And I mean, I never went so far as binging and purging or starving mm-hmm. myself, but I definitely didn't have a good relationship with food and exercise. So gotcha. it's, it's been really interesting. I mean, as, as I've gone on, and I actually really don't do CrossFit anymore. I just do strength training um, and weightlifting. It, it was sort of a vehicle for me to be connected with other people who had similar values. In other words, like being fitter, being stronger, not necessarily tied to body size. And gradually, I just sort of, very gradually, started to think, well, if I could be stronger, okay, I just got stronger, okay, I just PR, I just got stronger, like, Mm -hmm. I feel good, I feel capable. Like, if I could do this, what else could I do? Hmm. And so it became a very open-ended sort of thing, and honestly, not super purposeful. I didn't like yep. Steve Jobs always says, right? His famous quote, you can connect the dots looking backwards, but looking back, it seems very clear. But at the time I wasn't like, all right, now I'm going to go conquer my biggest challenges and do all this stuff. It was just sort of a very slow, gradual, quiet questioning mm-hmm. of and, and curiosity, almost like the feeling of lifting something that I never thought I could lift was just it, uh, like I mean dopamine like crazy. But then there's the community there too to sort of support that, and it was just a really transformative time like that. Twenty ten was just a huge year, and I started. I'd always looked. I'd always loved to cook. I started putting recipes on my mountain biking blog. <laughs> Uh-huh. Which I wish still existed because I would have loved to go back and see uh-huh. all the photos the photos I took. And I used to ride everywhere with the camera and take pictures and write these long reports of all the things that I did on my bike and saw. And anyway, I, I would cook fairly often and mm-hmm. would bring recipes to get togethers and bike people and get together and have meals. And after about a year and a half of that Somebody who I don't remember who because I probably owe them like a huge debt of gratitude and a tip
0: and a thank you, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like send them a
1: gift or something. Um, (laughs) you know, somebody said, You should start a food blog, Hmm. okay, and that was it, and that just like that, huh? So I did, and it was just a place to write my recipes so I didn't forget them and share them with my friends, and gradually over the the years it started to morph and people started to ask me how can I do paleo and how do I make this happen in my life and right around the time I started the blog I sort of went through this mindset program for CrossFit athletes at the time and I you know wanted to be a better competitor and I knew my mindset wasn't great like I was just too hyper competitive and too Mm. focused on everybody else and so I was like, I need to have work to do here. And one of the interesting things that came out of that was that I was really unhappy with my career, uh-huh. <laughs> and that was sort of a wake-up call for me because I thought, oh my gosh, like I have a master's degree in education. I like went through a special certification called National Board Certification. Like I could teach in 40 out of 50 states. Like mm-hmm. I did. I started a program at my old school and invested a lot of you know time and effort into that and all of a sudden I was facing this huge realization that teaching just really didn't make me very happy Mm -hmm. but the the blog was just like an embryo it wasn't even a thing so it wasn't like oh I'm just gonna leave and just do this Uh so it took me about a year before I sort of figured out what I was gonna do and it grew it started growing like 2012 2013 and so I'm made a plan and I said okay last day of school in 2013 I'm going to leave and um, I asked for a leave of absence so I could theoretically come back so that was Mm -hmm. sort of like my safety net Gotcha. I didn't have to quit outright Um, you know I had to ask for permission to take leave and if they said no I was going to have to decide whether or not to Mm. quit outright but I was lucky the board let me leave for a year no pay no benefits of course and (laughs) <laughs> then they uh, they they cut me loose for a year, and at that point, I was like, "All right, sink or swim." And here we are back around to that that Fourth of July barbecue where you know we were talking about that okay. stuff. So yeah. it um, so that's sort of how it started, and it's a true labor of love. It's grown in ways that I couldn't have really predicted, and my philosophy and what i teach and coach people with is not just food anymore i mean i think food is a gateway but i also you know the game trivial pursuit right Mm -hmm. you know how there's six little pie pieces of different colors that's the way i see health and wellness i guess well-being is like food is a Mm -hmm. piece of the pie gotcha And it's a fun, it's food is, it can be really fun, right? It's, Mm -hmm. you can cook and learn new things and it's social and it's cultural and it's something we all have to do. And yet it's not the only thing. And so I, 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 try not to get people to get too freaked out about like, oh, well, food's not the only thing. So by the way, if you're just coming off a standard American diet, you need to change A, B, C, X, Y, Z.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, I know I think back to sort of my process, like it was a very gradual thing. The food came first, yes, but then it started to unfold into other things. And I think it's a very natural progression for a lot of people if they Give it the time. If they give themselves the grace to realize this isn't like a pass/fail diet, it's a way of living. It's a way of that's choosing
0: right. hmm. this
1: certain is, things over others, right? That's no, right. I mean, this you, is not I mean, the
0: driver's I mean, test. You don't just get a pass/fail <laughs> and then everything's fine. It's a, it's a journey, and some are starting way behind, right? Yeah. And that's yeah, okay. Well, and,
1: the diet mentality. I mean, do we need like the diet mentality in this way of this lifestyle? Mm-hmm. I don't think we do, really. And obviously, okay, like there's always an exception to the rule. There's always somebody who's going to have an allergy yep, yep. or somebody who's mm-hmm. going to have an extreme food preference or the, whatever it is. And
0: the, and the great thing is there are so many resources available to people with special needs now, dietary mm-hmm. needs, lifestyle, whatever, totally. which, which is – it, excellent you know
1: yeah so it's um a lot of what I do now is sort of getting people to take their own journey and take the principles but apply it to their lives in a way that makes sense it's sustainable it's something you could literally do forever mm-hmm. um, and it's gonna it's gonna evolve as you evolve it's gonna change as you change and that's okay but it's if we just approach any of this stuff like a strict diet, I'm like, what's the difference between this and doing the cabbage soup diet other than <laughs> right. you have more food options, I guess, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Um, right. And I think I think about my grandmother who, she was always sort of on Weight Watchers and mm. um, counting calories. Mm-hmm. And I remember she used to have a little, it was a piece of cardboard, this is pre-internet, you guys. <laughs> she had a piece of cardboard. That would slide up and down in in one piece of cardboard inside
0: another. Uh-huh. It had little windows in it, right?
1: Yeah, little windows, and you would sort of calculate your points.
0: Oh, dear Lord. Right? And so I... I, Fuck that.
1: Yeah, but I remember that. I remember that dieting was a thing. It gives me... I have
0: stress in my shoulders when you say (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She was in her 60s. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so unfair. That's so unfair to her. To be on a uh, a diet, I think...
1: uh, For her, what I if I could turn time back and if I had known what I had known, I mean, autoimmunity runs in my Mm. in my family on that side of the family. My grandmother had RA, her brother had gout. I have endo. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. a a bunch of autoimmune shit that's on that side of my family. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, if only we had known, like, maybe could have saved her some of that. I mean, she basically had frozen joints and all sorts of not cool stuff, but that would be more important than being on a, being 60 or 70 years old and being on a diet. I'm like, wow, it just sort of blew my mind. So I, I, you know, diet mentality pervades so much stuff that we do. It's, you know, we talk about sort of like internalized misogyny and all these other, other sort of like internalized that we deal with in our lives but mm-hmm. I think internalized like this dieting culture is a huge one like you look at the average go into the average supermarket which scares the shit out of me these days Yes, and um,
0: don't look at I'm the magazine at, rack
1: I'm looking at things yeah. from a marketing perspective and I'm like okay. looking yeah. at this food item guilt free mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right like all of these messages all of the food isms that mm-hmm. are like just be good. Don't be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, Eat this and, and you'll be a good person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, this is really scary shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very low key to the point where we've accepted it as a, as a society. It's really insidious. And so, I don't know. These are just some of the things that go through my brain on a somewhat daily basis. Uh, I'm with but... you
0: though. It, it's true. <laughs> it, uh, absolutely.
1: But there's a better way. I mean, there's, there's, I just, I think about human beings and we have all this capacity and these giant brains and to not use them for some kind of greater good, higher purpose, um, expression of our potential problem. Problem-solving capacity, mm-hmm. whatever, however you choose to think about that, and just sort of focus on these things that are keeping us metaphorically very small or literally very small. I'm just like, that, we can't be intended for that. It can't be what we're here for, <laughs> you know. It's to, such a, have this crazy um, relationship with food yes, and exercise. Yes. Mm-hmm. And struggle with it until the day we die. I mean, that just seems so depressing.
0: Well, I think it, yeah, it's very pervasive. This um, less is, less for you is less harm to the world, you know. So the more you suffer and try to be as thin as possible, you know, you're, you're actually doing a, a, a great service to the world. And nothing could well, be yeah. further from the truth.
1: Yeah, you, you know. You need to be um,
0: strong and robust. And, you know, it just starts with just sit down. With whatever size your family is, if it's you and a cat, sit down with the goddamn cat <laughs> and have your meal and just have a meal and start there at the table yeah and prep it make it
1: <laughs> you've have you seen you've seen cooked right the michael Pollan docuseries? series yeah i've
0: i've uh read it uh several times um yeah. yeah i'm um i'm uh I have a lot to say about pollen but uh <laughs> Uh, overall, well, well, but, overall, yes, he gets yes. a thumbs up in my life because
1: he, he be controversial in some ways for yes, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but, you know, he was one of my introductions to health. So uh, one of the first books I read about anything about food was The Omnivore's Dilemma. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah.
1: He so the there was one part of the show of this docu-series that stood out to me and, and it, again, like there are some things that I'm like, well, I don't know if I 100% agree with him yeah, on that. Mm, but That's okay. But he, there was one part of that show that just sort of like punched me in the gut and that was this <laughs> idea of um, how our modern world is constructed now that like cooking is seen as an annoyance.
0: Mm, oh, e- absolutely. Right. it's mm-hmm.
1: yep. like the most annoying freaking thing. Saving,
0: saving mom time in the kitchen has been yeah, yeah. 60 years of advertisement, yeah.
1: For sure. And and it's fine. Like I want people to choose what's best for their lifestyle. But at the same time, I'm like, let's remember that cooking <laughs> until very recently is something that we just it's we do it. And it's part of being a human being. And especially when it's put into the context of like, well, I have all these other I'm very I'm a very busy person mm-hmm. and I have very yeah. important things to do.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um I'm kind of like, really okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll see when it's not working for you, come back and see me and we'll talk about it. But right. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to let people make their own mistakes. Um, but with that in mind, I mean, I think the more we outsource our cooking and the I mean, we already outsource our food production, let's just be honest there, but the more we start to outsource our cooking
2: mm-hmm. on
1: top of that, I just think we slowly lose Threads of the fabric of what makes us human and what connects us to each other. And oh, uh, well, I, I
0: mean, I, I mean, you're talk about speaking to the choir. This is absolutely yeah. my thing. Culture uh, is food. They are the same word. Cultured mm-hmm. foods, fermented foods, mm-hmm. and culture. This this is intertwined in our language for a reason. It's uh, ancient. So, yeah, really For important sure. stuff. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Cooked was a good book I would recommend. And then um, mm-hmm. just be smart about it. Some of the, sh- there's some stupid bullshit in there, but <laughs> <laughs> there was a, he interviewed a bread maker in that book. Uh, they were talking about sourdough, which I thought was awesome because it's about fermentation yeah. when, um, But the bread guy said, you'll notice that even dogs bury their meat because they can't digest the protein unless it's been uh, broken down in the ground. And and I'm like, a dog? Like, (laughs) a real carnivore? Like, okay, leave that out of the book. That's bullshit. Let's get back to the bread making. You know, like, (laughs) that really bothered me, and I hate that. And I would hate for anyone to, to get that idea that, the protein, meat protein, is not absorbable by the body. Like some, mm. so ridiculous. But the bread, yeah. but the bread chapter was good overall because it was about the real breads, real sourdough making, which I have a fascination with.
1: For sure, yeah. The show was it was equally interesting, and I'm a very you know science minded sort of nerdy. I'm fascinated with how things work, and, and cooking is an expression of that. Cooking is science oh, absolutely. in a lot of ways, yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that's part of why it's always appealed to me, is that... I think that's great. There's,
0: there's something from wherever you're coming from in food, whether it's just delicious to you, whether it just fuels mm-hmm. you to go do your works, or, like you said, that sciencey bits, like, what makes this happen? What is this reaction Mm-hmm. Why do things taste a little, like, well, not a little, like, way better with a little char? What's happening, there, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is this? <laughs> for sure. Cool stuff, Steph. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Uh, I got to get this up there right away for the Women's Strength Summit, and um, hopefully... I like the fact that it's just a website, Women's Strength Summit. So that when this podcast is up there and someone discovers it four years from now, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that link is still there and that it's there's another summit. You know,
1: it would be the goal too. I hope so. Have it every year. It's even if it went know,
0: every two years or whatever. But I mean yeah. continual. You know that it, this yeah. carries forward. And I, I really hope you get just incredible results and you're just flooded with love and awesome messages from gals all across the world. I think it's a really, really excellent thing you've done.
1: Thank you. You know, it's like it's it's a constant learning experience. It's it's always trying to make it better and see who else is out there doing awesome things mm-hmm. and sort of a, a, you know, continual refinement. So we'll see how things go. But yeah, it's um It just, it's definitely a labor of love. This event is, it's not about, this event is not about me. It's not about Steph. It's about all the women out there who need that support. It's about the women who are on the other side of the table as the experts. And they're stepping into their own voices Mm -hmm. and they are teaching with Great integrity and, and great passion for what they do. And so that's what it's all about. It's, trust me, it's not about like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, but, you know, uh, if someone, yeah. If
0: someone wants to discover you, they have your amazing podcast,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Harder to Kill, Yeah. and Stupid Easy Paleo, which is amazing. I just the other night, a friend of mine. His he has doubted me for a decade about how to eat, but now he's uh-huh. come on board, and he's like, "But where do I get recipes?" I'm like, "Oh, that's easy," and I just uh-huh. gave him your web link. So,
1: thank
0: you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, I, my favorite. Well, the most common place I think I meet people is in the supermarket, which probably isn't a surprise because uh, I'm there all the time You're shopping. Shopping. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, whether it's making recipes or just shopping for us and. I am continually meeting people out and about, and it just—I um, have those moments too where they're like, you know, I use your recipes, and I'm just like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, <laughs> thank you for, yeah, because I love—I love what I do. And well, that's got to feel, know,
0: yeah, that's got to feel great because you're impacting someone's really personal space and giving them yeah. a better quality of life.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's always really cool to know that it's helping somebody. Um, and I think that's why I love, I mean, working online is cool. And I guess you could say like the digital lifestyle and I can work from anywhere. There's an aspect of coolness to that, but
0: it allows you some bit of freedom perhaps or some flexibility. Yeah. Options.
1: Meeting people in person is the, is the icing on the cake. It makes everything, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes it special and that's, that's always a, a big thrill for me is to meet people out in the world and, and just see their, you know, you get such a different energy from people when you see them in person, it's it's a cool thing. So hopefully I'll be able to do this for a lot longer and, you know, be out in the in the community and just teaching and coaching and doing what I do.
0: At this point you may be thinking what that's it no there's more there's plenty more if you want to learn more about Steph Gaudreau and her amazing work go to stupideasypaleo.com thank you for listening